Welcome to the Hillside. I am your host, Tina Kampalas, telling you Karibu Sana to the Christian Podcasts. And as always, I want to welcome you to join me up here on the Hillside of Life, where the view is indeed breathtaking and the air is fresh, as always. A big thank you to all of you who have taken time to listen, to like, and to share both our podcasts and our blog. It is our sincere prayer that the messages are changing your life. Oh, well, it's been a while since we released a new episode, but I guess we are back again. And as is our custom, we start off with our key text, which is from the book of Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2. And it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Well, in this our season number three, episode number six, our topic today is, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Is there something in your life that is troubling you? If yes, have you prayed about it? If not, pause just now and turn your eyes to the Lord and talk to your Father in heaven. If you have but nothing has happened, continue until it does. There are many reasons why you should take every opportunity to pray. We should pray as the darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin. And it is all because they do not make use of the privileges that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. Why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray when prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence? Without unceasing prayer and diligent watching, we are in danger of growing careless and of deviating from the right path. The adversary seeks continually to obstruct the way to the mercy seat, that we may not by earnest supplication and faith obtain grace and power to resist temptations. Six examples of prayer that will change your prayer existence. Let's start off with the prayer of Jacob. In the book of Genesis 32 and verse 26, we read that the prayer of Jacob and he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, Jacob's prayer was answered in the wonderful interview at Peniel that resulted in his having such a mighty blessing and in softening the heart of his brother Esau. The season of distress and anguish may be before us and it will require a faith that can endure weariness, delay and hunger, a faith that will not faint though severely tried. The period of probation is granted to all to prepare for that time. Jacob prevailed because he was persevering and determined. His victory is an evidence of the power of importunate prayer. 
all who will lay hold of God's promises as he did and be as honest and persevering as he was will succeed as he succeeded. Those who are unwilling to deny self, to agonize before God, to pray long and earnestly for his blessing will not obtain it. Wrestling with God, how few know what it is. How few have ever had their souls drawn out after God with intensity of desire until every power is on the stretch. When waves of despair, which no language can express, sweep over the suppliant, how few cling with unyielding faith to the promises of God. Those who exercise but little faith now are in the greatest danger of falling under the power of satanic delusions and the degree to compel the conscience. And even if they endure the test, they will plunge into deeper distress and anguish in the time of trouble because they have never made it a habit to trust in God. The lessons of faith which they have neglected will be forced to learn under terrible pressure of discouragement. We should now acquaint ourselves with God by proving his promises. Angels record every prayer that is honest and sincere. We should rather dispense with selfish gratifications than neglect communion with God. The deepest poverty, the greatest self-denial with his approval is better than riches, honors, ease, and friendship without it. We must take time to pray. If we allow our minds to be absorbed by worldly interests, the Lord may give us time by removing from us our idols of gold, of houses, or of fertile lands. The young would not be seduced into sin if they would refuse to enter any path save that upon which, upon which they could ask God's blessings. If the messengers who bear the last solemn warning to the world would pray for the blessing of God, not in a cold, listless, lazy manner, but fervently and in faith as did Jacob, they would find many places where they would say, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Genesis 32 verse 30. They would be accounted of heaven as princes having power to prevail with God and with men. That was on the prayer of Jacob, the season of distress. The second example of prayer is the prayer of Elijah. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth half fruit. James 5:17 and 18. It's an important lesson presented to us in the experience of Elijah. Mount Carmel, he offered the prayer for rain. His faith was tested, but he persevered in making known his request to God. The servant watched while Elijah prayed. Six times he turned from the watch saying, There is nothing, no cloud, no sign of rain. But the prophet did not give up in discouragement. He kept reviewing his life to see where he had failed to honor God. As he searched his heart, he seemed to be less and less, both in his own estimation and in the sight of God. 
It seemed to him that he was nothing and that God was everything. And when he reached the point of renouncing self, while he clung to the Savior as his own strength and righteousness, the answer came. The servant appeared and said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. First Kings 18 verse 44. We have a God whose ear is not close to our petitions. And if we prove his word, he will honor our faith. He wants us to have all our interests interwoven with his interests. And then he can safely bless us. For we shall not then take glory to self when the blessing is ours, but shall render all the praise to God. God does not always answer our prayers the first time we call upon him. For should he do this, we might take it for granted that we have a right to all the blessings and favor, favors he bestows upon us. Instead of searching our hearts to see if any evil was entertained by us, any sin indulged, we could become careless and fail to realize our dependence upon him. Elijah humbled himself until he was in a condition where he would not take the glory to himself. This is the condition upon which the Lord hears prayer. For then we shall give the praise to him. God alone is worthy to be glorified. That was example number two, the prayer of Elijah. Our example number three is Samson's prayer. Samson prayed in the book of Judges 16 verse 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. In suffering and humiliation, a spot for the Philistines, Samson learned more of his own weakness than he had ever known before, and his afflictions led him to repentance. As his hair grew, his power gradually returned, but his enemies, regarding him as a fettered and helpless prisoner, felt no apprehensions. The Philistines ascribed their victory to their gods, and exalting, their def they defied the God of Israel. A feast was appointed in honor of Dagon, the fish god, the protector of the sea. From town and country, throughout the Philistine plain, the people and their lords assembled. Throngs of worshippers filled the vast temple and crowded the galleries about the roof. It was a scene of festivity and rejoicing. There was the pomp of the sacrificial service, followed by music and feasting. Then, as the crowning trophy of Dagon's power, Samson was brought in. Shouts of exultation greeted his appearance. People and rulers mocked his misery and adored the God who had overthrown the destroyer of their country. After a time, as if weary, Samson asked permission to rest against the two central pillars which supported the temple roof. Then he silently uttered the prayer. O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines. With these words he suckled the pillars with his mighty arms, and crying, Let me die with the Philistines, he bowed himself, and the roof fell, destroying at one crash all that vast multitude. So the dead which he slew at his death were more, than they which he slew in his life. The idol and his worshippers, priest and peasant, warrior and noble were buried together beneath the ruins of Dagon's temple. And among them 
was the giant form of him whom God had chosen to be the deliverer of his people. The contest, instead of being between Samson and the Philistines, was now between Jehovah and Dagon. And thus the Lord was moved to assert his almighty power and his supreme authority. That was the third example of prayer, Samson's prayer. The fourth example is Daniel's prayer. In the book of Daniel 9, 3 and 4, Daniel's prayer says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confessions. Daniel's example of prayer and confession is given for our instruction and encouragement. Daniel knew that the appointed time for the Israel's captivity was nearly ended, but he didn't feel that because God had promised to deliver them. They themselves had no part to act. With fasting and contrition, he sought the Lord, confessing his own sins and the sins of the people. Daniel makes no plea on the ground of his own goodness, but he says, Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not represent our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. Daniel 9:18. His intensity of desire makes him honest and fervent. He continues, O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, hearken, and do defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. What a prayer was that which came from the lips of Daniel. What humbling of soul it reveals. The warmth of heavenly fire was recognized in the words that were going upward to God. Heaven responded to that prayer by sending its messenger to Daniel. In this our day, prayers offered in like manner will prevail with God. With God. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5.16 As in ancient times when prayer was offered, fire ascends from heaven and consumes the sacrifice upon the altar. So in answer to our prayers, the heavenly fire will come into our souls. Light and power of the Holy Spirit will be ours, that God who heard Daniel's prayer will hear ours when we come to him in contrition. Our necessities are as urgent, our difficulties are as great, and we need to have the same intensity of purpose and in faith roll out our burden upon the great burden bearer. There is need for hearts to be as deeply moved in our time as in the time when Daniel prayed. That was the example number four, Daniel's prayer. Example number five in is Paul and Silas' prayer, Acts 16, 25 and 26. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. As messengers of the cross went about their work of teaching, a woman possessed of a spirit of divination followed them, crying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which you as the way of salvation. And this she did many days. 
Under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Paul commanded the evil spirit to leave the woman. Restored to her right mind, the woman chose to become a follower of Christ. Then her masters were alarmed for their craft. They saw that all hope of receiving money from her divinations and soothsayings was at an end and that their source of income would soon be entirely cut off. Stirred by a frenzy of excitement, the multitude rose against the disciples. A mob spirit prevailed and was sanctioned by the authorities who tore the outer garments from the apostles and commanded that they should be scourged. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. With astonishment, the other prisoners heard the sound of prayer and singing issuing from the inner prison. They had been accustomed to hear shrieks and moans, cursing and swearing, breaking the silence of the night. But while men were cruel and vindictive or criminally negligent of the solemn responsibilities devolving about them, God had not forgotten to be gracious to his servants. All heaven was interested in the men who were suffering for Christ's sake, and angels were sent to visit the prison. At their tread, the earth trembled. The heavily bolted prison doors were thrown open. The chains and fetters fell from the hands and feet of the prisoners, and a bright light flooded the prison. The jailer had fallen into a sleep with which he was awakened by the earthquake and the shaking of the prison walls. Starting up in alarm, he saw with dismay that all the prison doors were open and the fear flashed upon him that the prisoners had escaped. Drawing his sword, he was about to kill himself when Paul's voice was heard in the words of cheer, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. If every man was in his place, restrained by the power of God, exerted through one fellow prisoner, the jailer dropped his sword. Then bringing them out into the open court, he inquired, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Example number six, Paul and Silas in prayer. The last example is none other than the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a man of prayer. Mark 1, 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus himself, dwelt, while he dwelt among men, was often in prayer. Our Savior identified himself with our needs and weaknesses in that he became a suppliant, a petitioner, seeking from his Father fresh supplies of strength that he might come forth braced for duty and trial. He is our example in all things. He's a brother in our infirmities, in all points, tempted like as we are. But as the sinless one, he, his nature recoiled from evil. He endured struggles and torture of soul in a world of sin. His humanity made a prayer unnecessary and a privilege. He found comfort and joy in communion with his father. And if the Savior of men, the Son of God, felt the need of prayer, how much more should feeble, sinful mortals feel the necessity of fervent, constant prayer? Our Heavenly Father waits to bestow upon us the fullness of his blessing. It is our privilege to drink largely at the fountain of boundless love. What a wonder it is that we pray so little. God is ready and willing to hear the sincere prayer of the humblest of his children. 
And yet there is much manifest reluctance on our part to make known our wants to God. What can the angels of heaven think of poor, helpless human beings who are subject to temptation when God's heart of infinite love yearns towards them, ready to give them more than they can ask or think? And yet they pray so little and have so little faith. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God to us, but brings us to him. Conclusion. A comprehensive view of the subject will show that there are nine elements which are essential to do prayer. The first is adoration. We cannot meet God on our level at the start. We must approach him as one far beyond our reach or sight. The next is confession. Sin must be put out of the way. We cannot have any communion with God while there is any transgression between us. If there stands some wrong you have done to a man, you cannot expect that man's favor until you go to him and confess the fault. Restitution is another. We have to make good the wrong where possible. Thanksgiving is the next. We must be thankful for what God has done for us. Then comes forgiveness and then unity. And then for prayer, such as these things produce, there must be faith. Thus influenced, we shall be ready to offer direct petition. We hear a good deal of praying that is just exhorting. And if you did not see the man's eyes closed, you would suppose he was preaching. Then much that then much that is called prayer is simply finding fault. There needs to be more petition in our prayers. After all this, there must come submission. While praying, we must be ready to accept the will of God. Ask, have you prayed about it? With examples we have shared in this podcast, it is my prayer that you will pray about it. Change the way you pray. Assist in your prayer. Submit in your prayer. Change your approach and seek the face of God. He will surely answer you. Thank you and God bless you.